0: Welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending October 22nd, 2022. This week, party at Netflix's house.
1: Mm, I'm-
0: yay! I'm Kim Hollis, and I believe in the Great Pumpkin. Also, Tim Brighty, content creator, gamer, and next prime minister of the UK.
1: I mean, fine. If no one else wants to do it, I'll, I'll be right there in England. Just, you know, just give me a few.
0: <laughs> I've got a head of lettuce that says you can't. <laughs> also, David Mumpower, author of Disney Demystified, streaming media analyst, and someone who is skipping the ratings section this week. What is wrong with people? We knew oh it was God. coming, but yes. <sighs> and... The podcast is produced and edited by Raul Buriel, who's going to save us all a lot of time by saying, I told you so right now. I told you so. <laughs> I wonder what that's about. <laughs> anyway, this week, Netflix reported their quarterly earnings and blew away estimates. They reported 2.41 million new subscribers versus an estimate of 1 million with revenue at $7.9 billion. Just a touch above the forecast of $7.84 It
2: was all good news for Netflix, as you were told.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Remember just a couple months ago, the last time they did this, and everyone was like, uh, Netflix is peak, streaming is over, game over, they're done? (laughs) Yes, Yes, the, the complete opposite of that now.
2: Yeah, it's clear that the Netflix system works. After stumbling last quarter, Netflix did a few things to appease the markets. All the right moves. They cut back in frivolous spending. They had a few layoffs. They even announced their ad-supported tier. But in the end, they stayed the course and came out roaring
3: this quarter. It's almost like having a virtual monopoly is a good thing in business.
2: There's been a lot of ink spilled in the last couple of months about the quality of the Netflix product. Unquestionably, if you look at critic and even viewer ratings for Netflix shows and movies, it's pretty dismal, but it's not hurting their bottom line. Netflix knows that so long as they keep on pumping out content, subscribers will stick around. Netflix wasn't afraid to crow during their earnings call about movies that were largely ridiculed by critics and oftentimes by viewers as well. The Gray Man... Purple Hearts. These movies are not well regarded and they're still full steam ahead with projects that some would say are distracting them from their core product like mobile gaming. Netflix is not afraid to write a roadmap and then move ahead with it. They know what's right for Netflix and damn the analysts.
3: The fascinating part to me is we look at this analytically and everybody is criticizing Netflix because they're saying, oh, this metric is bad or that metric is bad. And Netflix is just basically puffing out its chest going, we have just proved yet again, you all don't understand what metrics matter to us. You're looking at the wrong stuff. We're inside. We know how our business works and we have the perfect handle on exactly what to do to keep increasing subscribers, revenue and keep those people relatively happy. And by relatively happy, I mean distracted enough that they have something going on. And that's all it needs to be.
2: Yeah, about which analytics are important. Netflix, in their earnings call, said that they are no longer going to forecast subscriber numbers. That is not what is important. You'll remember that even though they lost subscribers in Q2 of 2022, Netflix still made a profit. But the only thing anyone would talk about was, ooh, Netflix lost subscribers. They announced this quarter, they're not making subscriber forecasts anymore. They're only going to talk about revenue forecasts from here on in. Come the next quarterly call, they'll still tell us how many subscribers they had, but they're not going to go around saying, this is how many subscribers we forecast to have in the next quarter. That number is moot. It is irrelevant because subscribers don't necessarily mean revenue. It's all about how much money you have. And Netflix, Netflix has a lot of revenue. They continue to make a ton of money. And as Netflix reminded us this quarter with other streaming services, continuing to lose billions of dollars. Netflix, they're profitable. They make money every quarter and launching their new ad tier is only going to help as it's finally opening up a new revenue stream at Netflix, who previously only made money on subscriptions. Now they'll be making money on ad sales whose inventory, Netflix will remind us, is already sold out and they haven't even launched their ad tier yet.
3: Yeah, I think that's the pertinent part of this conversation. They're not mentioning subscribers anymore because it almost doesn't matter, which is a strange thing to say, given how much emphasis we've given on that the last six months. But we've also said all along, the X factor here nobody is considering is paid advertising revenue on streaming services. It is the reinvention of what we once knew as linear television on a streaming service. And Netflix already knows they're going to make so much money that way that people should be focusing on this when they invest in Netflix. They should be thinking, I don't care about subscribers. I care about dollars, which is also what we were saying people should have focused on all along because six months ago when they had the disaster call. The key part everybody missed was Netflix was extremely profitable that quarter. For whatever reason, nobody cared. And Netflix has learned from that and said, well, we're just going to stop telling you that
0: this week in the Warner Brothers Discovery Death Watch the news is all about DC movies as Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam premiered in theaters on Friday Tim what's the box office looking like
1: well at 26.8 million Friday sounds like a pretty good start but 7.6 million of that is attributed to Thursday night previews so that puts the actual Friday sub 20 million and considering the price tag on this which may be just under 200 million a weekend in the low 60 million range is not going to get there especially Especially since, as we might find out towards the end of this episode, it's not very good.
3: The news on Black Adam kind of went like this: Oh, it's going to crush. Oh, it's going to do extremely well. Oh, it's going to do pretty well. Um, okay, it's going to do low sixties with a hundred ninety-five million dollar budget, which is really good because I got to go. It's gonna, it's gonna come in ahead
1: of our expectations. That. We adjusted multiple times over the last week.
3: And my favorite part of all this was watching the same people who spent two weeks saying it was going to do so much better than Halloween because it wasn't also simultaneous releasing on streaming, suddenly going, wait a minute, Halloween's going to be a much more profitable film, even though it was released on streaming because kids, what's the new business model? Day and date. So this was Warner Bros. Discovery's other big fall
2: movie. (laughs) At this point, I sure hope that House Party reboot does really well for them because don't worry, Darling, and even Black Adam, they're just not going to be very impressive when when it comes to that bottom line at the end of the year.
3: Maybe they took the wrong approach. Maybe they should have had Olivia Wilde as Black Adam and they should have had The Rock with Harry Styles.
2: Look, there's been a lot of press about Black Adam this week. Dwayne Johnson is nothing if not a great self-promoter. The Hollywood Reporter had an in-depth feature looking at Johnson, the movie, and the future of DC Films. What's funny is that in a throwaway line about halfway through the article, they mentioned both that DC Films boss Walter Homada was leaving and that the Zatanna movie that was slated for HBO Max has been canceled. Neither of these stories had been announced before, although I think we can say that they were both inevitable. Warner Bros. Discovery clearly is uninterested in producing original movies for HBO Max, and Hamada had been a speed bump at DC Films ever since David Zaslov had taken over the studio. Indeed, it actually looks like Johnson and his producing partner,
3: Danny Garcia, are looking to position themselves to take over DC Films. That's been the plan, but as we just said, Black Adam started from a position of strength and has since dwindled. There is something that happens in this film that is clearly intended to set up something else in a sequel. The idea was that was a license to print money. What they forgot was DC Universe movies rarely reach expectations, and it has just been an ongoing thing the entire 21st century. The exceptions like Wonder Woman, Shazam, and Aquaman are... Few and far between. Whereas what we've seen most of the time is this Black Adam scenario where they start out saying, Tracking's in the mid 70s, and then the film makes 60 million. Now we still have a little bit of wiggle room here. I want to emphasize we're recording this on Saturday night. It's possible that it gets to the mid-sixties. Even the mid-sixties, though, for a film that made 195 million, it's going to be eyeing a worldwide box office to carry it. And we still don't have the strength in international marketplaces that we had in 2019. There just aren't a lot of positives here. However, Danny Garcia is a business genius in all stretches of the imagination. And nobody else seems to want the DC Universe gig. So I can fully envision a scenario where The Rock and his ex-wife take over the entirety of DC films and make themselves the Kevin Feige because they stand to make literal billions of dollars in that scenario if it works. However, most of the time, we're going to see more Black Adams where... (sighs) I don't know what to say other than this. They had a specific opportunity here to cut the cord and get away from Zack Snyder, which has been what has been holding them back all this time. And instead they recommitted, which is just madness to me.
2: Yeah, it looks like the play here is to continue on with this kind of dark superhero, more mature universe than what Marvel's doing. In fact, that Hollywood Reporter article mentioned that James Gunn had pitched a new project as well. And that again would inevitably put it in the darker, more mature vein as his previous projects like Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad were also very much in the Snyderverse vein. The alternative is to reboot everything at this point, And I think they're too committed to have to reboot everything. So I guess their only choice is to move ahead and hope that their next projects are going to be better.
3: Anything's possible, but what information do we have that would suggest that future projects will be better from a studio that is doing everything that it can to drive away all of its creative talent?
2: No, that's fair. If you look at what's left on the DC slate, we've got a Shazam sequel, which I guess leans more kid friendly. But then we've got the Flash movie with a star that is currently in court looking at prison time in the decades David Zaslav has painted himself into a corner here. I don't know how he gets out of this. To reboot all the DC universe at this point seems unlikely, but I also don't see how how they stay the course with what they have. Yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see how the next DC project does, which I, I believe the next DC project is the Shazam 2 movie. Is that right?
0: I believe that's correct. Yeah. Uh,
2: banking on a Shazam sequel to save an entire studio. That's tough.
0: Yeah. Like you said, it kind of lives outside these other DC movies in a lot of ways. I mean, it is a DC movie, but it's it doesn't necessarily feel connected to these other films in tone or in continuity, even if it is. I don't even know if you can count on that one to be a good indicator of the rest of the universe,
2: maybe Peacemaker season two on HBO max will
0: (laughs) save them all.
2: (laughs) Their
1: 2023 slate appears to be yes. The Shazam sequel in March, the flash in June, something called blue beetle in August, and then an Aquaman sequel in December, 2023.
0: Oh dear. Wow. (laughs) Finally in our rapid fire early in the week, Jordan Wortlieb, president of Hearst Television, forecasts that CBS and ABC would be joining NBC in abandoning the 10 p.m. hour of primetime television programming.
2: Hearst is one of the handful of companies that owns a number of television affiliates across the country. Most of the local affiliates, the local ABC, CBS, and NBC affiliates are owned by companies like Hearst, Sinclair, and Nexstar. It's clear that their future is in peril. For anyone familiar with What happened when TV replaced radio? The same thing is happening now as streaming is replacing TV and the corporations that own all these affiliates are worried that soon they won't have any content to show on their affiliate TV stations. That's why, for example, NextStar bought the CW so they could continue to show content. And indeed uh, just last week, Sinclair signed a deal with CSI creator Anthony Zucker to produce content for their affiliate stations. That's how desperate they are for original content. These affiliates, they're not going to last much longer if streaming continues to take viewers away from linear television. One of the ways that the networks are trying to cut back is by presumably abandoning the 10 p.m. hour, just like Fox never had any content on 10 p.m. But it's important to note that CBS immediately pushed back against these reports and said that they weren't pulling out of the 10 p.m. slot. And indeed, NBC hasn't said they were pulling out either. They simply said they were exploring that possibility.
0: This is not surprising to me in any way. The affiliate networks are probably struggling right now. And as we've talked about many times, linear TV is thoroughly on the decline, probably not long for this world, really. Not in the way it has existed traditionally.
2: This reminds me of when Netflix announced that they were going to spin off their DVD by mail business and everyone (laughs) freaked out. Mm -hmm. And, And so they walked that back. And now when you say that you could still get DVDs by mail from Netflix. A lot of people won't believe that this is still a thing. It's the simple reality of the market. Netflix realized what the future was and they moved in that direction. And these companies that are buying up affiliate TV stations like Nextstar, like Sinclair, and like Hearst, and thinking that they're going to be able to carry on business as usual, it's naive of them. This is a dying market.
0: The companies that are buying these affiliates, there are still those channels out there that people just turn on like MeTV or whatever and they have them on in the background or whatever is the case during the day or while they work or while they do whatever it is that they're doing. And I think that there's still going to be a place for those for a little while, not forever, but that's probably what we're going to see is just cheap and easy programming. And that ties back to
3: what we just said about Netflix. There's a new generation that does it entirely differently. Now they watch their crap movies on Netflix instead of traditional Linear. Mm-hmm. So that's yep. all this is, this is just another way that streaming is killing what once was.
0: Okay, Tim, I guess let's cover these ratings.
1: <laughs> Kim, you sound so excited.
0: I, you know, you predicted this. I knew you were going to be right. I was hoping that maybe you wouldn't be right but here we are
1: yeah we kind of cheated because you know uh, netflix does release the, those figures but yeah so we
3: have the hold news on hold brain, on i'll be on my break all right <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes. So we have the Nielsen Stream Ratings for Monday, September 19th to Sunday, September 25th, 2022. And as we've been hinting over the last couple of weeks, your most watched program on streaming this week by far is Dahmer or Monster the Jeffrey Dahmer Story as it's officially subtitled. We knew this was going to be big, but did we think 3.6 billion minutes big?
2: Yeah, given what we were seeing on those uh, Netflix charts, it seemed inevitable that yes, it was going to be... Yeah, it was going to be something like this. Yeah. And I was um,
0: just seeing people on different message boards and on just different places talking about it. I'm like, oh, gosh, no.
1: Yeah, I, I've heard people Discussing it at say like work and other places. It was 10 episodes that dropped on September 21st, which was a Wednesday. So that was actually most of the week, but it's gonna be even higher next week when it has the full the full week. You do just watch. Sad so to say that's just an absolute mammoth number. We know the story, we know what, what it's about. Yes, I've heard Evan Peters' performance is very good, but this is just not something like w- worth watching. Like, what's wrong with you? People who were related to victims have just absolutely condemned it because it's just bringing back all the trauma that those people experienced from the story, you know, what, 30 years ago.
2: I'm so conflicted because I want to be able to admire what Netflix is doing in the sense that they're giving people what they want. But if this is what they want, maybe you just need to take the high ground and decide we need to stop doing content like this and you can go elsewhere if you want to see shows like this.
1: Yeah. I mean, it should also be mentioned that this is created by Ryan Murphy, who's done a bunch of stuff for Netflix and has done a bunch of programs that, that you've, I'm sure, watched. Netflix is clearly very happy with the deal they made
2: with him with these kind of numbers. Yeah. Ryan Murphy has had a bit of a renaissance over at Netflix his original projects weren't doing so well and he'd be constantly compared to the deal that Netflix had made with Shonda Rhimes where in fact Shonda was getting a lot less money from Netflix but she had produced shows like Bridgerton a smash hit and Ryan Murphy in just the last few weeks has had this Dahmer miniseries as well as The Watcher another hit on Netflix and so suddenly Netflix loves Ryan Murphy which actually is
1: likely to be the show in a few weeks that will displace this from the top spot on the originals chart. Uh, One last tidbit before we move on, as we've we've hinted, Netflix does release some data in terms of hours, and this is by a significant margin, though the, the margin between it and the first place show is even larger, their second most watched English series in the first 28 days of release. Stranger Things season four is far beyond everything else, uh, but yeah, this this topped the both seasons of Bridgerton. It topped any other season of television that you can think of that they that they released just in terms of viewership in its first twenty eight days. So why people? Why? Cobra Kai is down to second, 1.1 billion minutes for its 50 total episodes, a couple weeks since the release of its fifth season. So yeah, I'm predicting one, one more good week. It's going to start to fall off from, from here as is previous seasons we've, we've seen on this chart follow the same pattern. Amazon's The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, five episodes, 977 million minutes. Mm, that seems to be about its plateau at this point.
2: Yeah, it did 1.2 billion a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and 988 million last week. So it's on the decline, but only barely.
1: Yeah, which is always interesting when there's technically more content, but it's watched less. So it just seems like people are like either waiting for it to end to watch the whole thing or it, it's not keeping uh, viewers uh fate the wing saga we saw that return last week 675 million minutes up to fourth for 13 total episodes
2: that's surprising to me but i also feel that there's been this huge vacuum sucking a lot of minutes towards the number ones and two shows and so everything else you don't necessarily need to be doing very well to hit number four this week
1: Yeah, it does drop off a bit after the top three. Uh, Still, I think, uh, above average week, at least on the originals chart. Uh, Something new in fifth. El Rey, Vincente Fernandez. 648 million minutes viewed for 36 episodes. This is a biographical drama uh, that aired on Colombian television and then made its way to Netflix on uh, September 14th.
2: Yeah, that's that one is a surprise, but oh, with yeah. yeah, with 36 episodes, the fact that the whole entire series, I guess, landed here, there's a lot of content to watch and people are watching it.
1: It aired almost daily from beginning of August to mid September in Colombia apparently and then uh, they dumped the whole thing on Netflix and obviously, you know, Spanish is the next biggest language after after English in terms of of streaming viewership. So yeah, I'm sure we mentioned it on What's New for that week, but I... I doubt it made much of an impression on any of us as we talked about it. Uh, But we do have something interesting here in sixth. It's a Disney Plus show. Here is Andor. 624 million minutes for its first three episodes, which dropped on September 21st. Uh, So middle middle of the week, as Disney Plus tends to do, of the previous Star Wars series. This one has considerably less engagement with viewers, but yet here it is showing up with a very pretty solid number for just three episodes. So I'm curious if it's going to disappear after this because it just will add episodes weekly from here on it's well reviewed it's actually best reviewed out of anything but it doesn't seem to be either holding attention or maybe now we've gone too far where it's diehards only this is a guy from you know what rogue one or leads into rogue one if i have it correct Mm -hmm. and that's really for diehards only at this point So I'm curious if it's just going to decline from here, or if we may not see it too often, maybe
2: we'll see it towards the end of the season. It's unfortunate that it's being perceived as very niche in terms of, yeah, it is a character that shows up in one Star Wars movie that wasn't even a necessarily a blockbuster Star Wars movie, but the narrative presents itself as a uh, pretty gripping kind of heist story. Folks need to consider it in a vacuum. It may happen in the Star Wars universe, but it is just unto itself a very great standalone series. I, I'm very curious to see where Andor goes from here. Just adding one
1: episode a week through mid-November. But I still think that that's actually a very good start for it. In seventh, we have The Crown still here. 585 million minutes. Apparently, they had to add a disclaimer saying
2: that this is entirely, you know, fictional and, and not really based on on reality. Yeah, that's unfortunate that people wouldn't necessarily comprehend that. At this point, I'm wondering if The crown's going to hold on for the next several weeks because the new season's coming up. Is it going to hold on in the top 10 until the new season drops?
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, it's going to be beginning in November. OK, yeah. So it, it holds on for, well, there's there's some distance between these ratings and then when when that's going to happen. So it'll probably disappear for a few weeks, but then come roaring back once the, that new season arrives. Uh, Handmaid's Tale, I uh, saw that return last week, is here in eighth, 535 million minutes, 49 episodes. Also adding episodes weekly. Uh, but I think same thing, we'll we'll see it. Sort of trail off for plateau and then return with the with the finale. Uh, We have the return of the Great British Bake Off, four hundred forty-two million minutes. Now seventy-seven episodes. You know those air in the UK and then show up on Netflix not long thereafter.
2: Fair warning, Taco Week is still a couple of weeks away. I sure I sure wonder what that's going to do to the ratings. (laughs) Oh man, I don't watch the show,
1: but even I heard about uh, about that. (laughs) Oh oh dear. I can't say more without being accused of like saying terrible, terrible things. Okay, uh, and Stranger Things one more time in tenth four hundred sixteen million minutes viewed for its thirty four episodes. All right. So in movies, uh, we have some new ones this week, but uh, surprisingly led by a movie we saw last week, Father Stew seven hundred seventeen million minutes. That's a big jump, and that's very disappointing very,
2: you know we discussed who who was involved with it. It's very targeted to specific audience. It is very much a faith based yeah. project and. Mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg actually uh, financed at least part of this project, so he has a specific demographic these days, and uh, he's he's definitely talking to them with this project. Yeah, we said it was actually
1: pretty cheap to make, and I would imagine Mark Wahlberg footed most of most of that bill. So yeah, that's hey, that's a su- success. Any uh, any any way you slice it, because it actually made money in theaters as well. Uh, something new in second. This is Lou, 681 million minutes.
2: Oh, yeah. This is a project with Academy Award winning actress uh, Allison Janney as the badass outdoors woman who takes on some criminals. Ooh, So people were here for that. And I hope it does even better next week. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. because uh, we, we do like Alice and
1: Danny. Reviews were actually um, on the positive side, which is surprising for a Netflix film. Seventy <sighs> percent fresh. They don't love it, but they, you know, they said hey, no enough enough reviews or were generally positive on it. Just a slight Netflix sheen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, uh, action movie starring Alice and Danny. So cool. Uh, third, another movie we saw last week, Do Revenge. It's up to third, but it does the numbers take a drop from the first, the top two, three hundred ninety-three million minutes. I still expected better from this.
2: Yeah, a bit of a bump from last week and, mm-hmm. a, and a climb in the charts, but not a big bump from last week. So yeah,
1: not not mm-hmm. not a big seven day the seven day bump compared to the initial three day release it
2: does feel like everyone who's wanted to watch it has now watched it
1: yes and we may see it again next week we may not but it's going to disappear pretty quickly from here the disney plus movies that had occupied the top two spots for the last couple weeks are uh fourth and fifth Thor: love and thunder and four 309 million minutes and pinocchio 282 million minutes so big drops from their from their peaks but they're they're hanging around because the movies chart does tend to be on the
2: light side towards the bottom of the chart It's surprising to me that Pinocchio is keeping pace with Thor, Love, and Thunder. No one liked Pinocchio. Yeah, these two movies don't really have anything
1: in common, but they feel very intertwined for some reason. Mm -hmm. Outside of both arriving on Disney Plus Day, apparently. Uh, Something else new in Six This Week, A Jazzman's Blues, 249 Million Minutes. This is the Tyler Perry movie.
2: Yeah, but not in a Madea way. This is a period drama by Tyler Perry. If ever Tyler Perry wanted to make an Oscar movie, this was his attempt at it.
1: Yeah, I I mean, he he makes these films for a very specific audience and they they do well enough. We actually like him a lot as an actor, but he's got his own uh, niche with with these films and he's made a lot of money off of it so good for him uh despicable me 2 is in 7 237 million minutes sing 2 223 million minutes those have hung on for a while here's your odd one for the week this is the end 212 million minutes believe it or not this actually returned to netflix for some reason on september 16th why that exact date <laughs> i have no idea but that's, that's that's why it's here. Yes, this is that, what was it, 2015, 2016 comedy with uh, Jonah Hill and friends essentially playing themselves.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, yep, sure, why not? So, of course, yeah, once, it, once, like- it, once it arrives on Netflix, they treat it as if it's brand new content and it gets promoted. <laughs> <laughs> that That algorithm's got some learning to do. And we wrap up. Movies with Encanto, 197 million minutes in 10. Acquired is 10 shows we've seen before, led by House of the Dragon, now with six episodes, one billion minutes.
0: There it is. Yep. we kind of predicted this last week yep. that it might sweep uh, the
1: rings. Sweet to head of rings of power yes mm-hmm. not much more to say about it really. no At this point. not really i feel like people are hyped for the finale which i believe is coming this weekend so we it is, see those yes. numbers it's
0: sunday the we'll see today is the 22nd as we record it mm-hmm. and it'll be the 23rd
1: Yeah. So we won't won't see these numbers for for a month, but I feel like people have really stuck with it. I I don't
2: know. From what I'm reading, I think people got very cold on the Rings of Power until the finale. And then they were like, hmm, okay." there was some interesting stuff that makes me want to rewatch it. While House of the Dragon is starting to become a lot more melodramatic and people are turning against it, arguing that it's just essentially a soap opera with dragons.
0: Well, I like it and I thought last week's episode was its best one. Potato potato, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it
1: hasn't it hasn't evolved into hate watching as like the last season of No, Game of it, I don't did. think that's yeah. at all. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, watching people turn on that in real time was always impressive.
0: it was something. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it is a closer than expected race at the top though, because second was the show we saw last week. It's still here in the dark with 918 million minutes. Just what the heck on these CW shows? No one watches them on the CW. Everyone just waits for them to show up on Netflix. Yeah, so weird how that how this happens. Yep. You know, Coco Mellon behind it and 817 million, and then the usual suspects, all the the HBO Max shows we've seen before. Bluey's been hanging on for a while and CIS, Gilmore Girls. It's always nice to see. But yep, nothing. Nothing else exciting outside of those those top spots. So overall, pretty quietish week outside of, you know, the ridiculous number for the Jeffrey Dahmer show, which is going to go even higher next week. And I'm very curious to see where Andor goes over the next few weeks. And that's that's really all for the readings for this week.
0: In our green lights and cancellations this week, Sons of Anarchy creator Kurt Suter has landed a deal for a Western series at Netflix called The Abandons.
2: The Westerns are all hot again, yep. especially in the wake of Yellowstone. Now this one is actually a period Western and Kurt Sutter seems to be a pretty hot talent in Hollywood. So let's see if he can deliver something popular. Knowing Netflix, this is going to be in the top 10. So wait for oh, it.
0: Yeah. Yep. Just wait for it. Netflix will also be adapting the popular Black Samurai novels as a feature film, directed by Chad Stahelski, the former stuntman who directed the John Wick movies. The novels revolve around an American soldier in Japan who learns the ways of the samurai.
2: This is a big get for Netflix, the director who essentially steered John Wick into a blockbuster franchise. Whether it's good or not is another matter. Netflix isn't necessarily known for producing. Good quality movies, but this one, they're going to push this one hard. Definitely.
0: In what is surely a poorly kept secret, Adam Sandler is reteaming with the Safdie brothers who previously directed him in Uncut Gems. Their next project, which is slated for Netflix, is reportedly set in the world of high-end card collecting.
2: Yeah, Sandler had been telling anyone who would listen that he was going to be working with the Safdie brothers again. It was simply a question of where this project would land. Having seen Uncut Gems, I don't think this is necessarily going to be a cheerful, happy movie, but it's probably going to get a lot of people a lot of praise.
1: Not surprised that it's going to land with Netflix, even though it disappointed a lot of people that it wasn't a theatrical release, mm-hmm. but I'm sure... it Given their pedigree, they will give it that token release to qualify for for the awards because a lot of people consider Adam Sandler was robbed for gems.
0: Yep. Warner Brothers and Legendary are moving ahead with their Dune spinoff, Dune the Sisterhood on HBO Max, with a cast that includes Game of Thrones and Obi-Wan star Indira Varma as Empress Natalia.
2: Yeah, Legendary has partnered with Warner Brothers for years, but last year their movies Godzilla versus Kong and Dune were released day and date in theaters and on streaming, and Legendary is still pissed off about that. <laughs> when when their deal with Warner Brothers lapsed in August of this year, Legendary started looking around for a new studio to partner with, but Warner Brothers is still their partner on the Dune franchise. Dune 2 is still coming up next year, or Is it the following year? I don't know anymore. So HBO Max gets the Dune spinoff.
3: Good for them. Yeah, Hooray, sci-fi witches! (laughs) (laughs) All kidding aside, if this is done well, it will be an excellent series that really should be a significant hit. It's a little bit Game of
0: Thrones and a little
3: bit Handmaid's Tale, so there's a lot to like here.
0: Apple continues its flirtation with Skydance Media. Having just recently premiered the greatest beer run ever, they've now signed on for The Gorge, starring Anya Taylor-Joy and Miles Teller. The script's being kept secret, but it's rumored to be one of Hollywood's hottest projects.
2: How is Miles Teller somehow a movie star? This guy's a great actor. He's he's a
0: total he's a total douche, but he's a great actor. And he's
2: shown up in so many projects lately. He's gotta have a great agent. Whiplash was his big breakthrough, so he's clearly got the acting chops, but when Hollywood's got their choice of young talent. Why is Miles Teller getting all the jobs?
0: Yeah, he was also really great in The Spectacular Now, which came a little bit before Whiplash and maybe the movie that got him that role. He's really good when he's in the right role. He's also really apparently problematic as far as a human being.
3: Yeah, that's the challenge, but there's just no arguing the fact that his casting in Top
0: Gun Maverick was an absolute yeah. masterstroke. Absolutely, yeah, he was terrific. Trying to replicate some of the success Netflix had with Red Notice, Amazon Prime Video has signed Lucy Liu, Dwayne Johnson, and Chris Evans for a holiday action comedy called Red One. It'll be directed by Jake Kasdan, who previously worked with Dwayne Johnson in the Jumanji movies.
2: This is one of those projects where first they open up a suitcase full of money and then they figure (laughs) out all the people they could hire with that much money. Do we have a script? No.
0: Does it matter? No. No. (laughs) Amazon also announced this week the sports docuseries Coach Prime, taking us behind the scenes of Deion Sanders' Jackson State University football program.
2: How likely was it that Deion Sanders got hired as a coach simply because he'd be able to bring a spotlight to the school. Well, I mean, that's naive of me. Isn't that why you hire most coaches in football?
3: Yeah, it was 100% for recruiting. But what amuses me about this project is the fact that we're almost to the coaching carousel part of the football season, which means that by the time this comes out, there's a real chance he's been poached by somebody
0: else. Proving just how quickly things can fall apart in Hollywood. Just weeks after announcing that Keanu Reeves had signed on to star in the upcoming Hulu series based on the novel Devil in the White City, produced by Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio, Reeves has departed the project. Just days later, director Todd Field also left the project.
2: DiCaprio's been trying to make an adaptation of this book for years, and at this point it looks like this latest attempt is DOA. That's too bad. Seeing Keanu Reeves in a series on streaming would have been... Probably pretty damn awesome. Unclear why this project fell apart. Maybe it was because Todd Field just realized how much of a get he is and he's going to be moving on to bigger and better things. And without him in the project, Keanu maybe didn't want to stay on board. It's too bad. We were all very excited when this was announced and now it's probably dead for another decade.
0: Sad. Paramount's Showtime has announced that The Man Who Fell to Earth will not be returning for a second season. The series, based on the 1963 science fiction novel, which was previously made into a movie starring David Bowie, never caught on with audiences. Showtime at
2: this point is very much an afterthought over at Paramount. All the new and original content is showing up on Paramount+. Plus. If maybe this had premiered as a Paramount Plus series, maybe it would have gotten more viewership. It's important to to note that it was also showing on the Showtime cable network, but even there, it didn't really seem to be making any waves.
3: More than anything to me, it just felt disrespectful to David Bowie's legacy to remake this not that long after his death. Wait 10 years
0: or, you know, have his blessing. Those are the rules. And finally, AMC Plus has picked up the UK miniseries Litvinenko, starring David Tennant as the former Russian spy whose death from polonium poisoning in November 2006 triggered one of the most complex and dangerous investigations in the history of the Metropolitan Police.
3: If it was polonium, Putin did it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. He didn't fall out a window. (laughs) Yeah, David
2: Tennant has been no stranger to serialized TV drama since departing as Doctor Who probably a mm-hmm. decade ago now. The uh, The only reason this is significant is because this UK series has been licensed all over the place as it'll be playing on ITV streaming service in the UK, Amazon Prime Video in Canada, and via play in the Nordic countries and other parts of Europe.
0: All right. As always, we close out with what's been keeping us busy this past week. And... I guess I'll talk about Black Adam, which we watched on Thursday night. I hated it. (laughs) It was terrible. I hated it early into the film. There is not an original idea in the movie. It very much has the Zack Snyder sheen all over it. A lot of the same techniques and styles and whatnot that you will associate with Snyder. They're totally present and obnoxious in the movie in a lot of ways. The worst offense though is the script. The script is so, so insulting. There's nothing, nothing in that script that hasn't already been in the MCU. It's like they saw it and said, ooh, let's take that. And ooh, let's take that. It's disappointing because I feel like they had a really good group of actors for this film that they could have done some good things with. I think that Johnson could have been a good black Adam. And I think that Pierce Brosnan is clearly having a lot of fun here. And I love Aldous Hodge and I love Sarah Shahi. It's just painful to see that this is what they wound up with. Yeah, anyway, I don't recommend it. David asked me what my letter grade was for it. I said a C minus D plus. He thinks I give it enough. So maybe I do. I don't know. Anyways, David, how about you?
3: I said I was sorry, okay? Yes, going to Black Adam was my idea. And yes, I will be paying for that for a long time to come. (laughs) You did say I get to pick the next one. Yes. There were three or four times during the movie where Kim guffawed at the dialogue so loudly. I thought we were going to get beaten up. I mean, it was a crowd that loved the film, which is weird for uh, something with the B-Cinema score. B-Cinema score indicates that Kim's right. It's a crap film. But we were at an audience that was clapping during the film and clapped loudly after the film was over and I'm looking around wondering what experience they just had that I somehow missed in the same place. She's right about the cast honestly that is probably the best implementation of the justice society of america as you can have because a lot of these extraneous dc characters are just so stupid at their core and i say that as somebody who you know likes dc has read dc comics but they had a dr fate that was watchable the character that could do the tornadoes had Stunning special effects that seem completely out of place with the gray of the rest of the film. It worked. It absolutely worked in that regard. But then they also had a guy who played Adam Smasher was the character name, but they just scratched out Deadpool and put in Adam Smasher there. He's there for really, really lame comic relief and it, it doesn't work at all. It was about as poorly as you will ever see an exceptional cast used in a mainstream movie. I mean, this is like when you hear that Helen Mirren is in Fast and the Furious, you're kind of like, oh, my God, I'm really, really scared. Black Adam is what that could look like when it it goes wrong. I give it like a C. I did not hate it the way that Kim did. It's just a very generic, you know what, I'll say C minus slightly subpar film, but she despised it. It is nasty as I have ever seen her be during a cinematic viewing, legitimately.
0: All right, Raul, how about you?
2: Well, I'll mention Sprung on Amazon Freebie. This is a Greg Garcia pandemic comedy series starring Garrett Dillahunt as a convict released from prison during the pandemic. I did expect this to be a lot more on the humorous side, although I feel it feels like Garcia has matured a bit since his days creating My Name is Earl and Raising Hope. And uh, there was uh, definitely some dark elements to it, including one episode where Dillahunt goes full Sopranos when he finds the guy who's responsible for his imprisonment and proceeds to, do some unpleasant things to that guy. Still, it is a comedy and uh, I just watched the finale this week and the finale was uh, everything I wanted. In the final episode, they wrap up all the loose ends and deliver a pretty bittersweet ending that left me a little misty-eyed. So if you can find it, it's free on Amazon Freebie. You just need to find the app and watch it there. I do recommend it highly. I just don't expect it to be a straight-up slapstick comedy.
0: All right. And Tim, how about you? I caught up on the final
1: episodes of The Mole. When I talked about it last week, I had only seen the first five episodes, which premiered on October 7th, three more arrived on the 14th and the final two episodes on the 21st. And while I still really enjoyed it and the season as a whole, the second half of the final episode, after a really fun final mission for the remaining three players felt super rushed and was really disappointing. They of course brought back all the previously eliminated players back for the finale. And I really would have liked more moments with the whole group together you know celebrating the winner and discussing the mole we did get a small look at their deceptions and moments of sabotage that in hindsight now clearly were very intentional but what the first two least non-celebrity seasons which by the way aren't on Netflix and don't appear to be anywhere uh, but they do have this two of the celebrity seasons oh boy <laughs> but, but what the, they did do was show the very vague blank and you'll miss it hints as to the mole's identity scattered about through the, sh- the show um, people online say like Reddit groups have identified things that they believe were hints but they didn't actually you know reveal those on the show um, maybe if the viewership is strong they consider one more episode Episode where they just need to edit together something from all the footage that, that they took. But I guess not. Um, we're not going to sh- see this show on the ratings, unfortunately. But I'm really hoping that they can do a second season because I really doubt it was expensive to produce. And we know that's likely going to be uh, Netflix's model going forward. Lots of, um, you know, reality type shows. And this is also, by the way, a very diverse and attractive pile of people they collected for for this, this season. Uh, many of whom are thirst trapping on Twitter, if you are, are, are interested, especially the guys. So... Um, but, but it was definitely fun. Um, and I do hope you guys get to watch it as well at some point.
3: Tim, I have to ask you, you were confident about who the mole was. Were you correct or was it someone else?
1: No, I was wrong. Okay. I actually, predict, makes- I, I got the winner correct though. Actually from the first five, I said, I think this guy's, I, oh, I think this person's going to win. And and I said, I think this person is, is the mole. I was close, uh, but I was correct with about the winner.
3: Okay. Did it make it better or worse that you had the wrong person?
1: Uh, a little bit worse because I don't know whether it, was the way they were acting or the way it was edited together but by the final episode it was very very obvious which i think was disappointing i I was really hoping they had swerved us in some way but unfortunately no but it was i wasn't too disappointed i I can see
2: how they played the game in in hindsight well i'm looking forward to seeing members of this attractive cast showing up in netflix's next reality dating show yeah (laughs) it's possible (laughs) I am going to be watching this and I want to look for some of those clues and hints that they drop throughout the season, because I wonder how many of them are intentional. I remember this going back to like season one of Survivor, which was essentially the one that opened the floodgates of reality television, where every week people would be dissecting everything from like the opening sequence to the end credits. The opening credits. Yeah. Yeah. And you wonder, it's like the deep producers really intend for that to be a clue. And in retrospect, you wonder how much how often the producers would say, yeah, 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 absolutely. That's definitely what we meant to do.
1: Yeah, one of the players tweeted that there was something that, I mean, there was no way you would know it at the time, but in the very first episode, uh, as we're meeting the players, it, there's a, a signal that this particular person is is the mole, but there was no way to know that at, at that point. So it's like there are things like that, which then they, if they had shown at the end, it'd be like, well, that's, that, that's stupid, but also very funny yeah. you know they, they did that in the fir- in the original uh seasons as well like drop hints that make no sense at the time but when they went back at the end of the in the final episode and said oh we we did this to indicate this person was the mole even though it made no sense at the time it just you know if you had to pay te- pay close attention and somehow make this obscure connection
0: hmm. all right Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at StreamingIntoTheVoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider rating us and giving us a review in your favorite podcast player. Be sure to watch for us again next week.